motivation is a really, really rubbish thing to rely on. Motivation is emotional. It relies on your emotional state. The average person waits for the emotion and then takes action. Whereas actually emotion and action are a cycle. So if you just take action, the emotion will follow. You don't have to wait for the emotion to happen to take action. Welcome back to the Infinite Cast, the show that helps you to go beyond your limits and explore the infinite possibilities for greatness. Today's guest is a driven individual who is continuously striving to develop his intellect and physique. He is a natural bodybuilder. In 2021, he placed third in the Two Bros Pro National Classic competition. He's a great human being and a father of three. This is one of the greatest conversations that I've ever had. If you want to stay physically fit or if you want to build your body without taking any drugs, steroids, then this episode is for you. You are going to know almost everything about natural bodybuilding. And I take the honor to introduce you to the one and only Donald Ditswitting. So yes, um, first of all, thanks, thanks a lot for being here and accepting no request. Thank, thank you, thanks so much. And uh, yes, uh, are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've I've seen your photos on Facebook. You're a professional bodybuilder. You're a professional trainer. Like your body is massive. I have a couple of questions for my listeners. Okay. Uh, I'll just yeah, I'll just uh, read it out to you. The first question is, I've been working out regularly, but my body is not getting huge. It's one of those where it could be a number of things and there's not really enough information. So number one, how long have you been working out for? Like building muscle takes time. Uh, That's one thing that people massively underestimate. So I'm a natural bodybuilder, which means that I don't take any sort of uh, performance enhancing drugs. Um, and for me, I started training with weights when I was 13 years old. I'm now 30. And yeah. it's only in the past, say, two to three years that I've really got into kind of like the groove of things. And I've seen more progress in kind of the last two to three years than I did for like the 10 years kind of like before that. And that's all been about getting a major control on all of the basics. So he said he's working out regularly. So is he controlling all the factors in there? Is he progressing the load? Is he progressing his rates? Um, Is he progressing the reps? Is he progressing the sets? Is his program optimized for his body? Is he allowing himself enough time to recover? Is he getting enough food in? Like there's lots and lots of different factors that go into building muscle and people just think it's a case of, right, if I just lift the weight, I'm going to grow. And in the first like six months to a year, yeah that will happen but you've got to make sure that you're getting enough protein in that you're getting enough calories in to grow by the sounds of it just off what he said he's probably not eating enough and probably overtraining and not giving himself enough time to recover but there's not enough information there so yeah, yeah. the the answer is it depends i just i don't know enough information to be able to give you like a specific answer for that yeah, so uh, where did all this start for you? <laughs> What's your backstory? So, and, uh, yeah, uh, how did you get into bodybuilding? So when I was 12, 13, um, basically thought that girls wanted you to have abs and big I bought some dumbbells from a um, local kind of shop around here called like Argos, saved up my pocket money, wasn't... Well, I was playing video games, but I saved up my pocket money and bought some dumbbells. My parents thought I was really weird uh, and then started training in my room. Um, so did that basically between the age of like 13 and 17, doing everything wrong, just basically training what I could see. So basically it was like chest, arms and abs and that, that was it. it. Didn't do anything train, on my legs. Is it good to train uh, at a very young age? People say that it's bad for your health. Like you, you just don't train, uh, you, you just don't start training early of age. 
it, again, it depends. So it's no, it's worse for your health to be put into high impact sports like rugby, like football, like cricket with no strength and conditioning work in there. Because if you think about it, if you're a fast bowler in cricket, you're putting three or four times your body weight through your front knee. Every time you do that last slam down of the heel and kind of go over the top, yeah. If you've not got any sort of like strengthening work in there, by the time you're in your mid twenties, your knees are going to be buggered. Same thing yeah. with football, same thing with rugby. Like they are high impact sports. Like you're going into collisions, you're changing direction. You often see with young athletes, quite high rates of things like ACL tears, all that kind of stuff. So again, it depends. If you're going straight into the gym and trying to squat over your own body weight at like 13, that's probably not a good idea. But going in, doing some body weight work, doing some press-ups, some body weight squats, learning to move and utilize your body properly is going to be a benefit. It just has to be controlled. And you probably, as I said, you don't want to be like squatting, deadlifting, these big compound exercises to like absolute max, just because your body hasn't finished growing. So your limbs aren't going to be the right length. Your muscles aren't going to be the right length. Your tendons aren't going to be the right length. So if you just go into like max effort strength stuff, that's probably going to take away from it. Whereas if you're doing stuff that's going to support the sport that you're wanting to play, that that's only going to be a benefit. It's only going to make you stronger, faster and help prevent injuries. So that actually segues quite well into like my journey. So at like 15, I think I watched like 300 and said I wanted to be jacked. So I uh, went to college which over here in the uk you've got like school which you go to to 16 then you've got college from 16 to 18 and then university so at college i had a really really good uh tutor who introduced me to actual strength and conditioning for sports i played rugby at the time so that was kind of like my big introduction to the gym i actually got to train in a proper gym then rather than just having my kit at home actually trained legs for the first time in my life was introduced to proper programming and i put on about two stone in like a year a year and a half um just through eating and training went off to university got my sports science degree was again playing rugby at a fairly high level and then i got an injury in my when i was playing for first team so i couldn't i couldn't play rugby for about six months to nine months because i i tore my hip flexor so i spent a lot of time in the gym in recovery and that's kind of where i really, really fell in love with it um came out of university went into personal training that was in 2012 i got qualified as a personal trainer i was working in a few different gyms i've worked in about probably seven or eight different facilities now went across to a uk to be a health manager yeah while i was there again i was still playing rugby but it was at like a fairly low level and then my partner fell pregnant with my daughter so i've got two step stepsons and my daughter is now three so when she was um when my daughter was born i decided you know what i, I need to stop playing rugby just because yeah. I was out all evening on a Wednesday to go to training. I was then out all day on a Saturday to kind of go and play the game. And then basically I was in my mid twenties. My body was just battered on a Sunday. Yeah. So I then had about a year where I didn't really have anything to train for. So I put on quite a bit of weight. Like uh, if you see my before photos, yeah, often, they are at the end of that phase when I was still training, but I didn't really have a purpose behind it. So I was doing a bit of this, a bit of that. I followed some online programs and stuff from some like um, fitness influencers and they, they just weren't very good because they, they weren't built for me. Yeah. So then I just went, you know what? I need something to train for. I'm one of these people I need to be working towards something in the future or else I just struggle to kind of give everything 100%. So I decided I was gonna compete. Uh, so that was what three years ago now um so hired a coach at that time who was a friend of mine went through the recomp went through a an all right off season and then went into my first prep 
didn't yeah. do very well in that first one. I think I came dead last in my first show and then I did a um, an untested show where I just wanted some more stage time. And it was just one of those things where I did everything wrong, essentially, in that first that first kind of like time through. But I decided, you know what, I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back better. Tried to run my own off season. Again, didn't go too well. Ended up getting fat again. So hired a different coach who was a specialist in natural bodybuilding. And we've been working together now since September last year. Had a really good recomp phase, had an amazing off season and a very long prep. I think I prepped for 37 weeks, which is nine months this year. Was shredded to the bone. And we finished that. I did my final show two and a bit weeks ago now. Yeah. I got a third place finish. Well, and then congrats, the feedback. Congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So that's the first time I finished on the podium. So it was one of those where it's it showed each show that I've gone in, I've I've made progress. I've moved up a placing. And in that last show, the caliber of athlete that was in there was really, really good. So the fact I could stand up on that stage and kind of be compared with them and I wasn't just kind of like shoved to the back was really, really good. So the feedback we got from the judges and from a coach was right lower body wise. You've got a really, really good set of legs. You've got a good frame. You now just need to build muscle on your upper body. You just need a thicker chest, bigger shoulders, thicker back. So um, basically this last two weeks has been a bit of a mental reset when you're dieting for that long. Like it really, really messes with your head and messes with your relationship with food. So it's been about like relaxing, enjoying some food that I've not been able to have, spending time with the family. I've had a full 10 days off training, which I haven't done in like five years. Um, and new plans in place. So today's the first day of the new plan. And now it's pushing on. I've got basically about a year of growth. Yeah. So we will utilize growth phases and mini cuts and things like that over the next 12 months. Um, and then we'll be looking to start prep again in early 2023 to then be competing in September of 2023, I reckon. Okay. So, so that's my, my bodybuilding career in a nutshell. Okay. So you are a professional natural bodybuilder, right? So, so I'm not a professional. I haven't turned pro yet. Okay. 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 That's one. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm a so, professional, so I earn money through my coaching. Okay. Um, I want to go pro, but I'm not pro yet. Okay. So how do you build? Let's say I, I have started working out like three months ago. I've been training. I've been seeing YouTube tutorials. I've been I've been to internet. I've, I've been installing apps from Play Store for my workout. What are the suggestions that you give to me to build uh, to build my body naturally? Okay, so first things first, it depends on how quickly you want to get there. Okay. If you want to get there in a year or two, hire a coach. It's going to make okay. it far quicker. As okay. I said, I've been training like consistently, even with coaching for like 10 years. So to get to my level of physique, it takes time. And if you try it on your own, there's going to be a lot of trial and error in there because the human body is very, very complicated. There's certain like laws. So things like progressive overload, um, you've got to be in a calorie surplus to build muscle. There's certain things that are always gonna be universal truths. However, the best workout for me might not necessarily be the best workout for you because of genetic variances. Yeah. So some people get on better with like a high volume, medium intensity approach, which means that they are doing lots of sets, lots of reps, but the amount of load that they'll be able to use will be then submaximal. Other people get on with a much, much better with a high intensity, lower volume approach, which is the sort of approach that I use, which is like two working sets, but you take it, it's absolutely balls to the wall. You take it to absolute max every single session. You are absolutely frying your central nervous system. However, somebody like yourself, who's in the first six months of training, you probably don't want to do high intensity training because your ligaments and your tendons will not be able to take it. So what I would say is you've, you've got different phases within 
kind of building a physique, you've got the beginner phase, which is anywhere from like one to three training years. In that phase, you just want to focus on good execution of the exercises, really, really focus on your um, compound exercises. So squats, lunges, deadlifts, uh, presses with dumbbells, presses with barbells, pulls and uh, locomotion, which is moving. Yeah. And you probably want, if it's in the first six months, you probably want to train your whole body yeah. rather than doing like a body part split. So if you train your whole body three days a week with like a push, a pull, sorry, a vertical push, a vertical pull, horizontal push, horizontal pull, a squat, some sort of hip hinge and the lunge variation, three times a week for say six months, you're going to put on size. Okay. Because at that point, even just like three sets of 10 on each of those exercises, but doing it three times a week, you're stimulating that muscle to grow three times a week. Whereas yeah. if you're doing a body part split, you're stimulating it to grow once a week. Yeah. But you're absolutely hammering it to the point where you're digging a hole that your body can't get out of it. When you're in that first six months, you're not going to be using a massive amount of load. So your body will be able to recover within a day or two if you're only doing like one or two exercises on that muscle group. But because you're hitting it three times a week, you're getting a lot of practice of those exercises in. So you'll be able to progress the load and you'll be able to move to an intermediate level quicker. When you get to that intermediate level, that's when then you can start looking at the nuances of training, things like doing upper lower splits, push pull legs. There's thousands of different programs out there and they all work if you execute them well. Okay. But the problem is most people don't execute them well because they don't have any accountability. And that's why I'm saying get a, if you want it to be fast, get a coach because they've been there and they've done it. As I said, I've been training with weights now for 17 years. I've been a coach for 10 years. I still pay a coach because I still learn things from my coach, Jake, Okay. even though I've been doing this for 10 years. So when people are like, oh, I don't need a coach. And it's like, no, you don't necessarily. However, it's going to take you a lot longer to get where you want to go because of that learning curve, because you're going to have to try things and figure out if it's working. Whereas with a coach, they're completely impartial. They look at the data and they look at your physique and go, either it's working or it's not. But yeah. we're emotionally attached to our decisions which means if we choose to do something, we're emotionally attached to the outcome, which means we've got confirmation bias. So yeah. we want it to work. We're looking for the evidence to show it's working rather than looking at the evidence to see if it's working. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Interesting, yeah. interesting. So you said that it, it, it would take approximately two to three years to uh, put on weight to build a body, right? So yeah. uh, many people like me, uh, we we usually go to YouTube or, or the internet first, right? Yeah. So I've seen many thousands and thousands of uh, thumbnails saying that six packs in seven weeks, uh, six packs in uh, seven days, six packs yeah. in a month. So uh, what, what do you say about that? Like there are the most famous influencers out there. So th th they have tons and tons of followers. So they yeah. are, so uh, what? What is the point of doing that? So, uh, bullshit. Okay. No, okay. it's bullshit. It's not taking them. It's not taking them six weeks to get there. Okay. It's taking them years. Okay. What it is is a clickbait. Did you click on that link? Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch that video? Yeah. Okay. Got to remember that that that's what YouTube is. It's a, it's vying for your attention. So what they're doing is they're putting that on there because you want quick results. And unfortunately, like, I'm not going to name any names on here, but okay. a lot of those guys are probably on PEDs. Like, there's, there's a lot of people in the fitness industry yeah. that are using some sort of performance-enhancing drug to be able to be where they are. It's, as a natural athlete, I know, it's not realistic to grow and stay lean at the same time like the human body doesn't want to do that the only way you can do that is if you artificially 
pump your testosterone levels up when you are that lean to be able to then add on muscle tissue. So to answer your question, it, it's clickbait. You've really got to remember it. It was the same thing with magazines like Men's Health or Flex or things like that. Get abs in six weeks. If yeah. that worked, you'd follow that one program, you'd get your results, and you'd never buy another magazine. But yeah. then if you look over onto the next page, and what are they trying to sell? They're trying to sell supplements. They're trying to sell something. On YouTube, it's that they need to get as many views as possible so that their sponsorship things, that they then get paid for it. So also, a lot of these fitness influencers, if that was possible to do that in six weeks, why do they all have their own coaching apps? Why do they all have their own things where you can then pay them to get there? If it was that simple, then you, we would just say that and give it out. And then everybody would have the physique that they want. But there's a reason why personal training is one of the, like personal training and online training is one of the fastest growing industries like in the world at the moment because everyone's getting overweight, yeah. everyone's sat at desks all day, and these six week quick fixes don't don't work because if they did, every, everyone would be happy, everyone would be um, content with kind of like where they are. Everybody will walk, be walking around with a six pack and just they they don't need any help. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, yes, I have, uh, I have another question. Uh, yeah. I love working out, but some days I don't feel like doing it. How do you stay motivated all the time? So I wrote a um, an Instagram on those this recently. Motivation How many is followers do you have? Did you hit the 10,000 followers? I haven't checked your Instagram. Yes. Yeah, we're on 10.1,000 or something. Thank you. Um, basically, mo motivation is a really, really rubbish thing to rely on. Motivation is emotional. It relies on your emotional state. So yeah. there's a very, very famous um, kind of, I don't know what you call it, like video or masterclass by Tony Robbins that basically yeah. means, so shows that the, the average person waits for the emotion and then takes action. Whereas actually emotion and action are a cycle. So if you just take action, the emotion will follow. You don't have to wait for the emotion to happen to take action. Oh. So it's one of those things where for me, there's still days where I don't feel like going to the gym. There's days where I don't feel like prepping my food. There's days where I don't feel like drinking my four liters of water. There's days where I don't feel like going and getting my steps, yeah. but I do it. I just start the action and I get it done. I have a list of things that I have to do and I just tick them off and you just do it every single day. And it becomes a habit. It becomes a don't train. I feel worse if I skip the gym because my body and my mind are so ingrained into that routine that when I break that routine, it actually causes stress. Yeah. So it's one of those things that you will never be able to stay motivated all the time. What it is, is you probably want to, what you're probably waiting to do is you're probably waiting to um, hit a level of reward so a lot of people wait till they've dropped five pounds or they've achieved something to kind of reward themselves. And what you want to do is you want to start rewarding the behaviors rather than the outcomes. Learn to enjoy the process rather than the product. And then yeah. the product takes care of itself. When you enjoy the process. So for me, when I'm working with clients, the first thing that we do is on their onboarding call, we'll sit down and we'll go, okay, what's your long-term goal? Where do you want to be in 12 months, 18 months time? Okay, so those can be quite vague. Uh, I can want to look and feel better. I want to fit in this dress of the, whatever it is. Yeah. From that, we'll then break that down into a 12-week goal. So the problem, again, a lot of people have is if they've got five stone to lose, it doesn't matter if they skip a workout today because it's not going to affect that five stone. However, if we've got a 12-week goal where it's right, we're going to lose eight kilos in 12 weeks or what's yeah. 10 pounds, like 20 pounds in 12 weeks. Skipping yeah. one workout could actually affect 
that from happening. So you've got to take that big goal, break it down into something that's more manageable, something that's within a realistic timeline for you to be able to achieve it. However, it's not so far in the future that it doesn't matter if you procrastinate on it. Yeah. And then from those 12 week goals, we break those down into like daily actions to take. How many days a week are you going to train? What are you going to do with your food? What's your water intake going to be? What's your sleep going to be like? How many steps are you going to do? We, we make those into very, we break those into daily, daily goals. Yeah. And then what we do is create a simple checklist. So, right, I'm going to train four days a week. Okay, what days? Okay, it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, get that on a piece of paper and stick it on the fridge. And I want you to half check it off. So my goal this week is to train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. As soon as you've gone and finished that session, go and cross it off. You'll get a very small dopamine hit from going, I've set this task to do and I've done it. Our brains love that. It loves when you say you're going to do something and then you do it. And if you can do that for each one of those habits, what you're doing is you're training your brain to feel good about completing a task yeah. and that's what everybody struggles with is we say we're going to do stuff and then we don't do it the advantage of having it written down and sticking it on the fridge is your family is going to see it so my clients kids will <laughs> hold them more accountable than i will because they'll say mummy or daddy what is this oh i'm going to be okay and if they get to a day and he missed the days mummy why or daddy why have you missed the day why have you done that? And that that guilt and that social um, peer pressure, we're yeah. using that in a good way. And you do that for 30 days at a minimum. It takes 30 days to kind of create the habit. And then what you'll find is you don't need the tick list anymore because you'll mentally be checking off those tasks to be able to do. Yeah, that's, that's great. And uh, so uh, just... So how, how, how does your morning routine look like? What do you eat? Like, what, what is the nutrition? What do you take in the morning? Okay. So my morning routine, again, it depends on what's happening. So my daughter's three, so she goes to nursery three days a week at the moment. From September, she'll be in school full time. Yeah. So uh, say a nursery day. Nursery day is also a work day for me. So we'll wake up at seven um she'll go on the ipad for 15 minutes i'll wake up go to the bathroom weigh myself because again i do that every day um and log my things for my coach so i log how many hours of sleep i got how many steps i got the day before and then my my morning weight that all goes into an app that then gets sent across to my coach i'll then get dressed i'll get her dressed and we'll go downstairs for about half past seven um at the moment breakfast for me is so i'll normally sort out willow who's my daughter's breakfast so that'll normally be porridge or some scrambled egg or whatever it is that she wants and then i'll start making my food so my breakfast at the moment is 50 grams of porridge oats um two slices of um seeded wholemeal toast three eggs and four egg whites uh, however i want to have that whether that's an omelet or a scrambled egg or whatever it is so that's meal one so i have six meals a day at the moment so you don't so, eat, you don't eat carbs you don't you don't eat sugars and this stuff uh yes because i'm in the off season okay. but it's not part of my diet plan like okay. i have a structured um so if you're eating six meals a day trying to do that completely flexibly is really hard because what you'll suffer with is something called uh, decision fatigue and it's something that a lot of people when they're dieting and they're using stuff like my fitness car really really suffer with because there's too much choice they have to make a choice but they have to try and keep it within these certain parameters so what yeah. i do is something called a hybrid approach which is where you've got a structure to refer back to however we also build some flexibility into there so for me my meal one two and three are very very structured my meal four and five are a little bit more flexible because they tend to be with my family and my meal six again is then very very structured so four out of my six meals i yeah. pretty much know ahead of time what i'm going to be eating but if i want to have like a, a chocolate bar or a rice crispy square or something like that something 
that's sweeter or that I wouldn't know I wouldn't be allowed when I'm in prep, then I'll have it. And what I'll do is I'll use my fitness pal to swap those things out. So I know I don't have anything like sugary or processed like first thing in the morning. However, my calories are only at about three and a half, 3,200, 3,300 at the moment at peak at peak bulking or peak building phase, my calories will be over 4,000. So I'll have to use things like granola um, instead of the porridge oats. I'll have to add olive oil into my rice to be able to kind of get those extra calories in. Like people, referring back to your question earlier, I'm training a lot, but I'm not growing. You're probably not eating enough. Yeah. It's the simple answer to that. As I said, like I'm only 70 kilos at the moment. Like that's not massive. I'm five foot seven and 70 kilos, but I'm eating over 4,000 calories when I'm trying to grow. And then a lot of the guys that come to me that are saying, right, I'm training really hard and I'm not growing. You ask them what they eat. And when they kind of total it up, it's maybe around the 2000 calories mark. And they think they're eating a lot and it's, you're not, you're just not eating enough. That's why you're not growing. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, what are the side effects? Oh, just a minute, just a minute. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I just got turned off. So yes, uh, so what, what, what are the side effects of uh, taking steroids? So uh, we, most of the people are seeing social media and they're following these influencers who are huge and uh, they sell courses and they, they just fall into the trap. So what are the side effects of taking in steroids or drugs? I've, I've, uh, I was reading uh, ancient philosophy, like I've saw, I saw this photo of Alexander, right? Mm -hmm. Alexander, was, right? He, he's the greatest warrior of all time, right? He's not very bulky, right? Mm -hmm. He's not very bulky, he, he just looks like you, it's the same structure. And I've also seen the photo of Hercules. And at that time, there was there were not these steroids. So, so, so uh, what will happen if we take uh, much steroids? Well, what are the disadvantages? Okay, so the advantages are you will get very strong very quickly. Okay. One of the misconceptions is that if you just take steroids, you will get big. And that's not true. All that steroid depends on what compounds you use. So the most basic one is testosterone. So yeah. as a man, you produce testosterone in your body. But all you're doing is if you say your natural level is here and you're artificially taking it, you're putting it to here. So what that means is you will recover faster. You will get stronger faster. You'll be slightly more, you'll be more aggressive. Um, but you... Everything that you do in the gym will be more efficient. However, if your diet's crap and your training's crap, you will just get fat. That's yeah. it. And you'll get angry and spotty. Yeah. So some of the side effects, it's like um, the easiest way to describe it. It's like a second puberty. So when you're 12, 13 and you start going through puberty, your testosterone levels take a big jump up. And that's why you then get the side effects of like oily, spotty skin. Um, your voice gets deeper. Obviously, your, uh, you start growing more hair. Um, so these are all side effects of using anabolic steroids as well. Okay. What people don't talk about is different compounds also have effects on you mentally. So I mentioned before, if you are already a slightly aggressive person, if you throw testosterone, extra levels of testosterone into your system, you're probably going to be more aggressive. If you're not naturally an aggressive person, it's probably not going to make people talk about roid rage and stuff like that. That's not just because you take steroids doesn't mean that you're going to suddenly become like the incredible Hulk all the time. Yeah, it will just elevate anything that's already there so if you already if you struggle with anxiety your anxiety is probably going to get worse if you struggle with depression your depression is probably going to get worse because all these things are controlled by hormones so if you're artificially raising those hormones when you already struggle with this problem it's probably not a great idea so what are the side so uh, in terms of other side effects it can make you impotent um, your testicles will shrink because that's where most of your 
um, natural testosterone comes from, from your testicles. So they shrivel down because they don't, they don't need to be used anymore. Um, and then you'll just, you, you will put on more muscle as long as your training and nutrition is, um, is on point. And there are ways to do it safer, if that makes sense which is don't listen to people on the internet. Like do your research. Like my coach has just gone being from being a natural to being an assisted. Um, I have the most amount of respect for athletes who choose to do that, that are open and honest about it. If you watch a lot of these like open class bodybuilders, the guys that are 250, 260 pounds on stage, most yeah. of them don't hide away from the fact that they're using anabolic steroids. And that is fine. I am okay with that. Like if they choose to put their bodies through that, like good for them. At least they're being honest about it. If you look at professional sport, it is rampant. There is one, most American football players, Premier League footballers, like most professional sports people are taking some sort of PED. They just don't want to talk about it and they hide it away. And people are just what's the word, uh, naive to the fact that those things are happening. If you've got yeah. a contract that's worth a couple of million pounds, of course yeah. you're going to take something that's going to give you an advantage. Like, why wouldn't you? Um, for me personally, the choice, I didn't get into bodybuilding until I was in my mid-twenties. I have a daughter. I have a family. Like, for me, I'm... If I jumped onto performance enhancers now it would take another five to 10 years to get my physique to the point where I would then be competitive as an enhanced athlete, which then means I'm going to be pushing 40. So I'd then have like two or three years as a pro. And then it's like, well, I'm probably not going to be earning a massive amount of money in that time anyway. But for me, where I am now, my peak as a natural athlete is going to be kind of like my mid thirties so I've got two or three years now to build the tissue to be able to then um, be up there in terms of the under 70 kilos category, in terms of being a good quality bodybuilder at that stage. And I'm not putting all these, all this pressure on my liver, on my kidneys, on my heart, like all these things. So it's one of those, it can be done as safely as taking any drug can. Obviously, when you take a drug, it's going to have a side effect. Yeah. That's just what it is. An exogenous, exogenous um, hormone slash chemical that our bodies, either we produce it naturally, but it, it sends it into hyperdrive and whatever it is. There's, there's always going to be balancing that scale. And yeah. for me, my health and my longevity are a lot more important than any sort of short-term benefit of going on to some sort of uh, performance enhancer. Yeah, so I've um, last, just give me a second. So do you, uh, tell me something about intermittent fasting. Do you do it? Intermittent fasting, no. Yeah. No? No, so, I don't believe in it. Okay. Like what, what people say a lot, like uh, people say a lot about diets, the keto one, the keto yep. and better fasting. Well, what is that? So you eat uh, thrice a day, right? Three times a day. Six times a day. Six times. Oh, oh that's uh, amazing. So well, what are the advantages or the disadvantages? So uh, usually uh, all, yeah. all that intermittent fasting does is it shortens the window in which you can eat, which means that you're forcing people into a calorie deficit without having to think about it. If you only have six hours to eat, it means you're going to get two, maybe three meals in. It stops you from snacking in an evening is essentially what it does. So if you can't eat from like, what, 7 p.m. until 12 the next day, you can't snack in an evening, which is when a lot of people get those like hunger pangs. You then aren't having breakfast. So if, for me, that would knock off a thousand calories first thing in the morning. So I've already had two meals before I hit 12 o'clock. So all it's doing is what you've got to remember is the diet industry is worth like five billion pounds. But there's the fundamental foundation is calorie deficit. Like 
there's a universal law that energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be converted. Fat is stored energy. It's stored energy of food that you ate whenever you ate it. Your body converts that excess energy because you've taken in more energy than you need. It converts that energy to a form that it can store, which is body fat. If you are not in a calorie deficit, you will not burn body fat. It's as simple as that. If you're not taking in less energy than you need, you, you won't rely on your energy stores because you've got more energy there. So your body will just get the energy that's coming in and it will store the excess. So that's the fundamental like law. You have to be in a calorie deficit. How you achieve that calorie deficit, there are thousands of different ways. So like you said, the keto diet, like again, all it does is most high energy food has got carbohydrates in it. It's got refined carbohydrates in it. So all it does is it gets rid of all that crap that you're eating and you replace it with high quality, like meat, single ingredient foods where you know where it's come from. It hasn't got all that refined stuff in it that releases very, very quickly. Now, there is a lot of research out there about the microbiome and things like that. And like, if you take person A and person B and stick them on the same, say 2000 calories, that yeah. say person A's um, body is able to utilize say 80% of that, whereas person B's is only able to use like 75% of it. So person B will lose more weight because their body is less efficient. However, all you have to do is then drop person A's calories by an extra 10% and they would lose it at the same sort of rate. So in terms of all these dieting protocols, it's um, if it works for you. If you, for me, if I didn't eat for 13 hours, I would be cranky. I would be an awful human to be around. So that's why it doesn't work for me. Like when I get hungry, it really, really affects my mood. I've had clients that say they work in the NHS and they're doing a 13 hour day. Intermittent fasting works great for them because mm -hmm. they can have their big meal right before work they can then work they don't have to think about it they might have like a protein shake or um just something high protein like like throughout the evening so that it just kind of keeps their protein levels topped up and then they have another big meal at the back end of the shift and then they go to bed like that works for them because of their lifestyle but if somebody's like i don't know working in a factory in a very very manual job they're probably going to struggle to get enough calories in in those two meals to be able to kind of like see out their day so it's a all diets work but not all diets work for everyone so it's a case of finding what works for you what works for my clients is we use an if it fits your macros model so I set macros, I set targets. And if you want to use a pizza for that, great. You're just not going to have any food for the rest of the day. So we do an if it fits your macros model and then what's called an 80-20 split. So you want to pick 80% of your foods from single ingredient sources that are very, very, um, what's the word, um, nutrient dense. So lean meats, vegetables, fruit, um, like rice, pasta, all that kind of stuff. The stuff that's called healthy. I don't like the term healthy. There's no such thing as like healthy and unhealthy. You've got energy dense and uh, nutrient dense. That's the, the two terms that I will use. So a burger is energy dense. Like if you go to McDonald's and get a burger and fries, like you're going to get like 1200 calories in there for something that's not really going to fill you up. Whereas if you had 1200 calories of chicken, rice and salad, you probably wouldn't be able to eat it all because the, the plate would kind of be overflowing. But yeah. in that 1200 calories, you've got a lot more nutrients. You've got a lot more things that your body needs in terms of vitamins, minerals, fiber and all that, that kind of stuff. You want to have 80% of your diet that's based on that because that means that you can have fun with the 20%. So if you know you wanna, you're going out for a meal with your partner on the weekend, okay, I'm just gonna keep tight through the week on this stuff so that I can save some calories for the weekend when I wanna go and enjoy myself. And guess what? I've still lost weight because I've still stayed in that calorie deficit because I've managed the process. 
And it's just learning to understand that food is not the enemy. We shouldn't be demonizing food because it's unhealthy. It's it's Mm. not. It's just it's just energy. Mm. You just need to be eating sensibly, making better choices the majority of the time so that you can enjoy yourself. Like I'm a bodybuilder. I'll yeah. still have a takeaway on a weekend with my family when it's not prep. Um, I will still eat, I'll eat chocolate. I will have these things. People think that like personal trainers and bodybuilders were like robots and we never eat any of that stuff. Of course we do. It tastes amazing. There's a reason why it tastes amazing is it's full of sugar and fat and all those things that your body, the high energy stuff that your body craves. However, we just do it with moderation. That the majority of our diet is built around good quality food that means that we get the most out of our training we can build muscle tissue we can do those things a healthy body is going to build muscle better than an unhealthy body yeah interesting interesting so uh get it completely i get it completely so uh, uh let's just play a game let's just play a rapid fire of questions i'll just ask you okay. a couple of quick uh, i'll just ask you a couple of questions and uh, you just try to give them and uh, less than a minute, right? Okay. So, uh, um, what should I eat before or after a workout? Um, before a workout, easy to digest protein and carbohydrates. So for the, my go-to is uh, a whey protein shake and porridge oats before. And then similar after. So after will normally be like chicken breast or white fish, rice, um, just stuff that's easy to digest. That's not going to sit in your stomach. Yeah. So uh, do crunches burn belly fat? No. Why? It's not a very big muscle group. So there's no, there's nothing like uh, like like. So how how do you burn? The muffin tops right here. You lose fat everywhere. You can't spot reduce belly fat. Okay. So you have to run a calorie deficit. You have to be doing all the other things. And what you'll find is a lot of people hold fat in certain areas. Yeah. And they want to target that area. That's that's not possible. You need to lose fat everywhere. And eventually it will come off those areas if genetically you hold it there you just have to get a little bit leaner than you want to to kind of get it to come off that area if you're really really struggling obviously i'm sure you'll put up links to my stuff drop me a drop me a dm and i can talk you through how it works okay so uh how long do i need to work out for how long is a piece of string <laughs> it depends it depends on what your goals are so if you want to be an, um, an ultra marathon runner, you're probably going to need to do some running. If you want to be a bodybuilder, you're probably going to need to do lift some weights. Like it's, there's not enough information in that question to give a concise answer. Yeah. Okay. So um, how can I increase lean muscle mass? Eat more protein, train with weights. How does exercising help mental health? Oh, okay. Um, So there's kind of three main things here. Number one, it gives you something you have complete control over. So a lot of negative mental health comes from feeling like you are outside of the control bubble, like that the world's out to get you, everything's out of your control, therefore everything's predetermined. Whereas what food goes in your mouth and how you use your body, you are in 100% control over and it just allows you to take over that process the second thing is the endorphins that are released you get dopamine you get um endorphins you get um adrenaline and also you reabsorb cortisol much much faster when you're exercising so basically your stress hormones come down and your feel good hormones come up and then the third thing is it's progress so when you go into the gym on day one you will pick up, say, the five-pound dumbbells and do those for however many reps. If you fast-forward three months' time, you're probably going to be on the seven-and-a-half or the tens because each time that you go in, you tear it down, you repair, you get a little bit stronger. You tear it down, you repair, you get a little bit stronger. So it's that process of continual improvement. And because there's numbers there to go with it, you can see that 
week on week, I'm getting better. Every single time I go into the gym, something improves. So it helps you get into that mindset of like progress over perfection. Like it's better to take a little step regularly than try to get all your dominoes lined up before taking any sort of movement. So. Yeah, I get it. So last question and uh, mm -hmm. we'll uh, wrap it up. So uh, uh, what does sleep has an advantage of uh, building your body? Uh, sleep. Sleep, yeah. Yeah. Does sleep okay, so sleep is when we recover, especially as a natural. Like when in REM sleep is when you release human growth hormone. It's when your body basically goes to work on repairing all those tissues that you've essentially damaged. The number one thing for naturally raising your testosterone level is increasing the quality of your sleep. So we should be sleeping for six to eight hours a night. Um, and also you need to look at things, what's called sleep hygiene. So there's far more information than I can go into in a minute here. Um, and it's a very, very important subject. So if you want to know more, look up something called sleep hygiene. But basically it's all about blue light exposure. You so I'll try and do this. As elaborate it, no problem. Yeah. So um, basically up until a couple of hundred years ago, the only exposure I'll eyes would get to blue light would be from sunlight like if you look at like torches and flames and stuff they're more of like a yellow red light spectrum when the electric light bulb was created basically blue light is involved within that spectrum and so when blue light enters our eyes it stimulates uh, something called serotonin which is the wake up hormone and dampens your ability to be able to make melatonin which is the sleep hormone yeah. so what happens is especially in like the winter months here in the uk it gets darker about five but we're exposed to electronic lights till 9, 10 p.m. So whereas your body would naturally be producing melatonin and reabsorbing serotonin, because it's being exposed to electronic lights, you're, it's the other way around, which can be why then when you then get into bed, it's hard to switch off because the hormones that would normally make you want to go to sleep just aren't there. So a couple of simple things to do, replace um, your main bulbs with, um, basically they're called like soft glow bulbs. So they drop the blue light out of the light. They have like a yellowy or orangey tint to them. You can also buy blue light blocking glasses, which basically they have like, a, if you shine a thingy over it, it blocks all the blue light from getting into your eyes. So that's what I do because it's very, with running an online business, it's very, very hard to not be in front of screens. So I just put my blue light glasses on, it blocks that blue light from about an hour or two before I want to go to bed. And then it means that I can get into bed and I'll naturally kind of go into a, a deeper sleep. Yeah, and that's it. And uh, yeah, thank, thanks a lot for being here. It's a great pleasure talking to you. Let me tell you this, you're way too energetic and you're the, like, this is one of the best conversations I've ever had, right? Thank you so much. So if possible, I would like to do an, uh, an another episode. We'll uh, discuss yeah. about more about this bodybuilding and stuff. So yeah, glad to meet you. Happy to do, happy to do that. Um, yeah. So yes, if any of your listeners do have any questions, um, yeah, feel free to drop me a DM at any point. More than happy to answer kind of like simple questions. Um, if they are a little bit more kind of like complicated, we can jump onto a call to kind of run through it. Um, obviously, I am a professional coach, so I do this for a living. I help people get from where they are now to kind of like where they want to be in, in the quickest time possible.